talking about Mark's gospel, as it's called. Does anybody know what a gospel is? What is a gospel means, Ethan? Do you have an idea? Like a message from God. Yeah, it is a message from God. That's quite right. And who's that message about? Who's the message about? In the Bible. Yeah? About Jesus himself. So it's like a, almost like a biography of Jesus in some way. A historical biography. The Gospel of Mark is like that. It's a story, lots of stories about Jesus. And we're going to be spending the next few Sundays looking at the Gospel of Mark week by week. One thing in each chapter as we get our focus on Jesus. So it seems to me that with all that's been going on over the last uh, year and a half now, isn't it, really? Since, uh, since the COVID situation became so <coughs> difficult, um, it seems to me that a focus on Jesus is going to really help us right now. Because that's why we come back together. That's why we gather. It's why we do all the things we do. Is, is because of him. And as we focus on him, it will give us, I hope, uh, added motivation to rejoice even though everything is not exactly fine, shall we say. There's lots of things still kind of messed up and, and disturbing and uncertain about what's going to be happening over the weeks and months ahead. But as we focus on Jesus, it helps us to remember who it is that's given us our survival in the last year and a half. Many people have died and been seriously ill, but at least we're able to be together. It's because of what Jesus has done. Uh, he's been with us, much like God was with the Israelites in the desert, in the Exodus. Jesus is with us going through our wilderness times, you could say. Um, Jesus has brought us, as Sean mentioned earlier, or Bromwin, uh, new friends uh, over the last few uh, months, and we're grateful for that. Jesus has given us this opportunity to be together. It's his strength that makes this work. We have the opportunity to, to learn together and to worship together and to fellowship together and to, in a sense, dine together uh, as we take communion because of what Jesus has done. It really is him that has enabled this, made this possible. And even though we might not right now see all the ways in which God is going to have the glory through what's been going on the last year and a half, by faith and because of Jesus and his resurrection, we hold on to a real hope that good comes out of this and glory comes out of this for God. That, that's what, is, what motivates all of this. And so let me give you a brief overview of Mark chapter 1 and then I'll pull out a couple of thoughts and then we'll take some uh, bread and wine together. So Mark chapter 1, we had the beginning of the gospel, the beginning of the good news, the gospel. That's the Evangelion about Jesus, Messiah, Son of God, and there's a quote from Isaiah there, um, about the messenger coming in advance, and that's John the Baptist, and the baptizer, he's not really John the Baptist, the proper way to really give him his designation is John the Baptizer, because that's what he did, and that's why he called that. So he's baptizing people in the wilderness, preaching repentance, forgiveness of sins, and lots of people are going out, confessing their sins, they are being baptized. He's wearing camel's hair clothing, leather belt, eats locusts and wild honey. That might not sound terribly appetizing, 
But if you live in the wilderness, that is how you dress, that is how you eat. It's not to do with John the Baptizer, it's just that's how you live in that part of the, the country. But he says, someone's coming after me, who the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I think that's a very strange image. I mean, I can't imagine what it would mean for someone to, not, I don't know, think they weren't even worthy of undoing my shoelaces. I, I, don't, I don't quite understand all of that, but it's, 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 a, it's a, a, an image of the, feel, it's the fact that he feels like who is coming is, is so amazing he doesn't deserve to be in their company. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus comes and he's baptized by John in the Jordan River. And as he's coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. Can you imagine this? Heaven, the heaven is torn open. It's not just they open, but torn open. Something hugely dramatic is happening. It would be a Marvel uh, film, uh, CGI thing. You know? and it's, it's that kind of astonishing, never-before-seen event. Unique. First time in history. First, maybe last time. It's torn open, and the Spirit descends on him like a dove, and a voice comes from heaven, and the voice is the voice of the Father God. You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. The Spirit straight away sends him into the wilderness. He's there 40 days, being tempted by Satan, there's wild animals, and the angels come and look after. John's put in prison. Jesus goes into Galilee proclaiming the good news. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So that's his message. He goes beside the Sea of Galilee. He calls Simon, Andrew, and then later James and John to follow him as disciples. And they leave their nets, leave everything, their livelihood to follow him. Then he drives out an impure spirit in the synagogue in verse 21. People there are amazed at his teaching and then at his power as he, um, as he uh, drives out this impure spirit. News spreads everywhere. As soon as he leaves the synagogue, where does he go? He goes to enjoy some hospitality from Simon Peter, one of his new disciples. He goes to the home and we would assume they eat together. And the mother-in-law is not well, so Jesus shows his by treating her as an individual. You know, this. he's just been driving out demons and healing all the sick. Now there's someone with what looks like the flu. Not that big a deal. But still, he looks after her. You see, the compassion is on every level with Jesus. He's concerned about the crowds, but he's concerned about every individual person. She's healed by him uh, that evening after sunset, so it's now dark. And dark in that culture, is dark, right? We get used to light pollution. And some of us know parts of the world where it's really, really dark. You really can't see anything at night. And that's what it's like. And in this darkness, with people stumbling and bumping into things, bumping into each other, they bring all, it says the sick and the demon possessed. Can you imagine how difficult it was to bring all the sick people in the dark to this house? And all the demon possessed, who might not have been terribly cooperative, thinking about it, dragging their back somehow through the dark, the real pitch black, to meet Jesus in this house. The whole town gathers and he heals many, driving out many demons. 
in the morning, very early, it's still dark, he goes out of the house. He goes off to the, a solitary place. Same word there for wilderness. And he prays. And they come looking for him, and he says, I've got to go and preach elsewhere. So he goes other places. And at the end of the chapter, a man with leprosy arrives, begging him on his knees, if you're willing to make me clean. You see, you see that thing? Sometimes people aren't quite sure about what Jesus wants from them or whether he's really interested. Or We can feel that sometimes. If you're willing, statement of faith, you can make me clean. Jesus sends him away. I'm sorry, he reaches out, touches him. I am willing, be clean. Immediately he's clean, he's cleansed. And he sends him away saying, don't tell anybody, but of course the chap doesn't, uh, can't, can't hold it in. He tells lots of people. And as a result, he couldn't uh, go anywhere freely. And uh, he couldn't stay, couldn't enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from, from everywhere. Astonishing impact. One chapter, uh, an amazing amount of information about Jesus. So let me ask you, of all the things that we've read or looked at briefly here, what stands out to you most about Jesus, about his character, about his heart, his spirit, about his abilities, his power? What, what impresses you most or connects with you most or inspires you the most? about the early portrait we're getting here of Jesus, right at the very beginning of his ministry time. What, what stands out? What, what, what hits you? Compassion and authority. Compassion and authority. Yeah. Over demons, he has authority. Yeah. Even the demons. Yeah. And it's quite interesting that I think often the idea of putting compassion and authority together, they don't often go together. Right? Very interesting combination. <laughs> He knew he had limited time to do what he had to do. Yeah. Uh, personally, I think uh, I've got my whole life ahead of me. I've got plenty of time. Therefore, I'm not urgently trying to do what I need to do. Feels like we got plenty of time. Yes. But it is, yes. it's limited. Yes. Jesus is making the most of his time and energy. Simon? What Joe is saying, um, there's a lot of energy and a lot of hard work doing what that Jules is using for his heart. It's very dynamic, isn't it? It's very dynamic. I guess it's not his father. Yeah, he's, um, I don't know what, um, it's all the, um, what's that, but when we haven't talked a lot, that's all big and dramatic. God takes the time to say this, and so I'm relationship he had that's a real inspiration for us we we don't we're not meant to just clock in on our time with god like to to do it because we're meant to but it's it's a it's a relationship so before he'd you know even particularly started to heal 
killed or anything, but you know, when he called his disciples. Um, I, I, like, and I always read this bit and think, didn't they just pop home and let somebody know what they were doing? Mm-hmm. You know, say, can we have a couple of days? Just, I've just got to finalise a few things. But it says, like, at once they left their nets and followed him. Like, there was something about him that just drew people in with a complete trust and desire to, to just be with him. Mm-hmm. That real... And obviously, later on, you know, people came to him because they wanted the healing and, and you know, answers. And, but there was a magnetism about him. Mm. And I think as, as us ourselves, as disciples, I think perhaps lots of, you know, lots of you have that experience where it seems like because we have something so special mm. that that can sometimes draw people yeah. It's a really good point, isn't it? That for those four men that are mentioned here, it doesn't look as if Jesus is promising them particularly much that's exciting or or yeah. or, or um, rewarding, <clears throat> you could say. But yet, there's something that draws them to him. Yeah. You think of Pastor being one of the more. Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, he says of Prakos, the right in verse 37, it said, um, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. He replied, Let's go somewhere else where I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Right. So he, he knew why he was here and he, he deliberately followed it. Like he wasn't really distracted. He had a focus on what he came for and he set up for a conversation. There's something admirable about somebody who knows their purpose such that they <clears throat> they can't be deflected from it. Even by good things. <coughs> well, it's massive that the tax collector, I mean, he was in the middle of doing his job. <laughs> it's almost like hypnosis, you know, he <laughs> gets up and that's it. So quick. Yeah. Yeah. An immediate yeah. response. Just things that sustains the Christian life is remaining impressed by Jesus. When we stop being impressed by him, we're on a slippery slope. And life can get busy and we can get used to thinking about Jesus and reading about him so much. We can lose our sense of awe uh, about him. And so I want to encourage us to Make sure that we think about Jesus, that we read the Gospels. I mean, certainly read the letters and the Old Testament, of course, and all these, but let's not stray too far away from reading about Jesus in the Bible. Let's not forget to pray about him when we pray. He's part of the object of 
our prayer and why we pray. We pray in his name. When we talk with each other, let's talk about Jesus. When we take communion, let's remember him. Not just the fact that he died, or not just the, the fact that it's his body or his blood. That we give. But let's remember him. That's what he said at the Last Supper. Remember me. Do this in remembrance of me. When we sing, many of our songs are about Jesus directly. Let's think about those words. When we, when we, when we hear the word taught, whether it's like here or other places, let's ask ourselves, what am I learning about Jesus? Or what am I being reminded about Jesus? Or what is, the, what is the part of who Jesus is that I need to pay attention to in my life right now? And I would suggest somewhere in Mark chapter 1, there's something that Jesus does or something about him that is important for you and me right now. Maybe it's his power. Maybe it's his authority. Maybe it's his magnetism. Maybe it's his compassion. Maybe it's his, his connection with the Father. I, I, there are a number of different things. But I think it would be worthwhile reflecting on what is it in this chapter that, I, that the Spirit of God wants me to pay attention to. So, that's what I would suggest. And just a couple of other things just to mention before we uh, take bread and wine is, uh, is this. That we talked a fair bit in some of the previous lessons when we were still online about rethinking why we gather. Why do we gather? And I've talked with us about four reasons why we gather like this. And one is fellowship. One is to learn together from God's word. Uh, one is Lord's Supper taking communion together, and, and one is worship, express worship, as in prayer and singing. And actually, all four of these are in chapter one. It's not like chapter one is telling us this is the format for church, but it's interesting to see that Jesus values all of these. And that's one of the reasons, again, why we do what we do. And so we have fellowship. We have fellowship, in a sense, with, between Jesus and his new disciples. They are walking with him in fellowship. That's close fellowship. We see Jesus in the home of Peter's mother, uh, mother-in-law. Again, that's fellowship time. We see that. We see them eating together. Um, that's my assumption, I have to tell you, but it is an assumption, but I think it's fair, that when Jesus goes into Peter's home, they're going to be eating together. You don't go in someone's home in that culture and not have a meal. They're spending time together in that sense. Um, there's a lot of teaching going on in verses 15, 21, 22, 27, 28, 39. Jesus is in the synagogue teaching and they think his teaching is amazing because his teaching has authority and he heals it's not all about healing it's also about teaching and we see worship going on people praising god and praising him we see his connection with god we see his connection with god with baptism and we see the value he places on his connection with god by going out early in the morning while it's still dark when it's actually dangerous and but very quiet we see all these things in chapter 1. They matter to Jesus. So we gather to do these things, not because they're just a good technique. We do these things together because they matter to Jesus. And I hope that over the next few weeks we can explore more of what that means. So a couple of thoughts for us uh, there. If you want to do a little extra deeper study in Mark 1, I'd suggest, in uh, the Gospel of Mark, you might want to look at the role of the Spirit. Spirit comes up twice in chapter 1. You also might want to look up the word wilderness and a word similar to wilderness because the, the Greek word for wilderness comes up 
one, two, three, four, five times in chapter one, which is a lot for a word to come up. Translated differently in different places. Uh, lonely places it's translated, but it's the same word wilderness as used earlier in the chapter. What's going on with the wilderness? Why is that such an emphasis? And we could talk more about that another time. I think it's a really interesting thing that this away from people and time of trial or time of testing or time of God revealing himself is really important right at the beginning of the, of the book of Mark, and it continues. Anyway, that's something we can think more about if we wish to. So, we're going to take bread and wine. Now, somebody has the uh, box with the bread and wine. I'm sure what we see in Mark chapter 1 is that intimacy between God and the Father that he had to have to be able to trust the Father to go to the cross. The cross, in, later on in the Gospel of Mark, doesn't happen without the baptism of Jesus, without that early morning prayer time. It doesn't happen. Because he needed that time to develop and have and hold on to a trust of God that that sacrifice would be worth it, and God will bring about victory through it. So as we think about our tough times, these tough times drive us to the Father so that we find strength from Him to handle whatever's going on right now, or might be coming in the future. As we take this bread and wine, representing the bread and wine, we're taking representations of his, bread, his body and His blood, which He poured out and broke willingly because He trusted the Father. So let's pray together. Fathers, <clears throat> we read the gospel and we look at the way Jesus was with people and with you and the way that he taught, the way that he drew people to follow and the way that he had such authority in his teaching and in his actions, able to heal every kind of sickness, able to drive out demons. Father, we can see that he had the power at his disposal. That, that means that we have faith and trust in him. And Father, as we, as we take this bread and wine, we pray, Father, you'll, you'll help us to have a depth of gratitude and a depth of trust that will enable us to hold on to Jesus, even through the difficult times that are around us. Thank you that Jesus was willing to trust you, Father, to go even to the cross. Thank you, Father, for his sacrifice. Thank you for the forgiveness that is ours which means we can be together now and worship. In Jesus' name. Amen.